Hey, everybody. We're so excited to see you. We're going to get started in just a few minutes. Um, remember, this is a great time to build some relationships. If you already know what you're passionate about, feel free to share where you're from and um, what you're passionate about in terms of working with clients. Especially today as we talk about niche, right? Like <clears throat> that's our theme today. And if you don't have one, that's okay too. It's just, we love seeing where you guys are all from, Minnesota, Michigan, LA, Wisconsin, Louisiana, Bellevue, Washington, love it. Texas, got the whole, almost every uh, time zone covered in the US at least, Alabama. Alabama. Wonderful, welcome. So some of you guys have emailed and asked about what if I missed the previous ones? Well, when you're logged in, in the top left-hand corner, you can see the schedule of the sessions, and you can click there, and you can watch previous recordings. So if you've missed the past ones that we've covered so far, no worry. The recordings are there for you to watch at any time. Um, and we highly suggest doing that, taking notes. You can pause and think through things. Take your time through it. So, And this one's being recorded, too. So much fun. Yep, we've got um, private practice planning where we dig into creating a vision and how, how important that is in terms of your vision. And then we talked about money last week, um, which is really exciting. And you don't need to know what your niche is today. Um, and you can know what your niche is and all those things are okay. Um, I'd love to hear from you guys who are coming for the third um, in the sessions. What have you guys been changing um, over the last couple of weeks, um, just based on the private practice challenge. What's, what's shifting and changing? We'll get, we'll actually start with today's webinar in about two minutes. So you have 120 seconds to share what you've been changing, um, in terms of your, uh, like real life and real practice. Family's in the house. Yay. Setting better boundaries with your time. Awesome, Rachel. That's great. Oh, fantastic. Business oh. perspective. Great job, Nikita. And it's such a, um, one of the things that we're really excited about is just even the boot camp interviews that we've been doing that people are seeing more clearly the intersection and how tied your business is into your clinical outcomes. And, and starting to let go of the shame of thinking that it either has to be about clinical work or it has to be about, um, about money and that not realizing that the two things are totally connected. Oh, someone's got the new sheet for their new rates. <laughs> Being clear about getting paid when they actually do the work. Heck yeah. yeah. Asking for a reasonable fee and valuing your practice. I love it. Wonderful. All right. So it's 12.02. We like to get started pretty quickly. So I'm going to go ahead and get us uh, rocking and rolling, if that's okay. Yeah? Okay with me. Bye-bye, video. <laughs> yep. We'll, we'll – uh, almost forgot to do that. That's an important thing. <laughs> so here we are. We're in the third training in our private practice challenge where we show you how to improve your clinical outcomes and improve your income. 
Today, we're going to be talking about niche specialization and how it impacts clinical care and your finances. My name is Miranda Palmer, uh, the redhead on the left. I'm the developer of mftguide.com and the co-owner of ZinniMe with the amazing, fantastic Kelly Higdon. I developed a successful private practice during the recession and have been helping other therapists do the same for over 10 years. And this is Kelly, the blondie on the right. Um, and so glad you guys are here. I created a cash pay practice in a saturated market um, while I was working full time for my county job. And that's almost 10 years ago now or more. I don't know. Lost track. But today we are going to be diving deep into how to get referrals in your private practice and not just any referrals, but the right referrals for your practice so that you can have amazing clinical outcomes and a great income at the same time. Do you ever wonder why it seems like some people get other therapists, business owners, and people raving about what they do and get a lot of direct referrals while other therapists hear crickets and struggle to get the phone ringing? Well, today we're going to explore the why and how of niche. And specifically, we're going to be digging into why you must get ultra clear about who you are and what you love in order to be a successful therapist, how to uncover your secret passion and take your clinical outcomes to the next level, how tapping into your passion leads to more referrals and a full practice, and why specializing attracts people outside of your specialty and can lead to a more diverse practice. And through it all, we wanna help you make some decisions about your business and if you stick around to the end, we have a fun little gift to say thank you that's totally free, and we'll do Q&A. Are you guys ready to get this party started? <laughs> you want to hear it? Just type yes in the chat box. Tell us why you're, why you're here, what you want to learn today. We only want to be with people who are committed. Let's hear it. Who's ready? Anybody? I think there's a delay in my chat. <laughs> yes, there I assume it's a delay. <laughs> <laughs> Not that there's only two people who are ready. There we go. Looks <laughs> like you're ready to rock then. Now we're good. All right. So you're here because you want to go home at the end of the day knowing you've done great work, your clients have benefited, and your practice sustains a wonderful life that you're creating for yourself. So what does niche have to do with anything, any of that? You might be tired of hearing about niche or you might be intrigued, but therapists commonly get stuck when they start the process of attempting to determine who their ideal client is, and they really wonder if creating a niche really matters. So we're going to get started by doing one of our favorite things, a guided imagery exercise. So get comfortable, close your eyes if you're in a safe space to do so, and um, get comfy. So I want you to bring up a normal day of working with clients, a, the kind of day where it feels like your clients are checked out, they're not interested, or kind of disengaged. We've all had them during our internships, traineeships. Maybe you're having them currently. Bring up a particular client who you do okay work with, where you know you're doing everything in your power to create a transformative experience, but for whatever reason, things just don't seem to flow. Maybe it's with a severely depressed client, or 
Maybe it's someone who's stuck in that victim role. Maybe it's working with someone with OCD or the kind of client who never seems to implement anything out of session. Bring up that scenario and think about working with one or two of those clients every day of the week. Notice what it's like when you see their name on your schedule, when you bring them into session, halfway into the session, how you feel when you walk them out. What happens in your body? What if you have two back-to-back? What if you have three of these clients back-to-back? How do you feel if that person cancels late, if they no-show? If they quit therapy unexpectedly, do you feel relieved or do you feel frustrated that you put so much energy in and didn't get to get to the good part? Can you imagine those clients referring their friends to you? Can you imagine those clients, friends, families, doctors, or psychiatrists referring clients to you based on the outcome they see with their client? Now think about what would happen if your whole caseload was filled with people who were good people, but who you didn't feel like you were making much progress with. What would you tell yourself to soothe yourself? How would you keep yourself motivated? How would you keep yourself inspired? When you go home and someone asks you about your day, how do you sound when you talk about it? How do you feel when you talk about it? How does it impact your evening and your weekends? Does it energize you to build your private practice? Or do you feel drained every time you think about marketing or writing a blog? How would you know if you're starting to get burnt out? And what would your options be if you were burnt out? Breathe that in for a second. And when you're ready, open your eyes if they're closed. You may not have been on a webinar with us before, but we believe in community and connection and learning from one another. So share in the comments what you realized or learned. Going through this visualization, what insight did you gain? This is an opportunity for a little bit of vulnerability, but only share what you feel safe sharing. We'd love to hear from you. And again, for those of you who aren't sharing specifics, Did you have any kind of shift? Um, So people talking about, I feel stuck. You got me when you said the client that doesn't implement anything out of sessions. (laughs) When I say difficult, re-challenging, it's not weird to like challenging clients, right? And what we're looking for are the clients that are challenging in a way that drains our energy, right? Yay, I love hearing. I haven't had a lot of those days or clients recently. That means you're doing something right. So good. Well, I think it means like you're realizing, right, where those shifts could, you know, where you've come from. And I think that's really beautiful to acknowledge those changes. My Mm. time and day are stuck. heavy and drained at the end of the session. Um, I know those are the kind of clients that I would never want to do my progress notes with, even though I was always really meticulous about doing them. (laughs) Right. Feeling depleted and helpless. Oh, so much, so much. 
we really have to get ultra clear about who we are and what we are great at or greatness will be eroded away by doing good things that still aren't quite our highest and best. Just because something is good doesn't mean it's good for you. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. There are signs to help you identify if your greatness is being eroded away. Um, it looks like when you feel tired or unsure, lacking confidence, noticing a lack of progress with your clients when referrals have dried up or they're not the right referrals, really, like you feel misunderstood. Um, you don't want to talk about work. You feel pretty uninspired. You're dreading going into work when the progress notes are piling up or you're fearful of investing in your clinical training or when you go to those trainings, you're bored and you tune out. Um, and when you're unable to verbalize what's unique about you, unable to ver verbalize your clinical expertise to lay people. Uh, for me, it was Googling other professions on the internet <laughs> and dreaming about some other career. Um, that's how it showed up for me, to be quite honest. And we believe therapists should be trained to <clears throat> work with and have a solid foundation in many areas. We, I mean, that's a, a given. This allows us to do a great assessment, um, develop a treatment plan that really works, and be able to identify when someone should be referred out. But we also believe that even in the areas that we love to work in, we all need continued support and supervision in order to keep growing clinically, professionally, and personally. It allows us to zero in on what we're really great at. That might mean working on a specific diagnosis or um, a particular population or group or, or working with a certain kind of personality. If you're going to exemplify greatness, if you truly love this profession, you need to create deep mastery in at least one area. So let's talk about how to uncover your secret passion and take those clinical outcomes to the next level. This is where we get to move on to the fun part. We get to talk about how to do it because we want you to be even better in your work with clients. So we're gonna do a second visualization. I want you, if you can, to close your eyes, just settle in. I want you to relax your mind, take a deep breath. Think about a few of your favorite clients of all time. Let their faces float in front of your mind. Notice how your body feels as you see your clients. Let your brain zero in on a few of your favorite breakthrough moments with them. Those moments that immediately make you smile or even bring joyful tears to your eyes. Those moments that you feel completely undeserving to have witnessed. Now notice how it feels to be in your body as you flip through these moments. Pick one of those moments. And I want you to really saturate yourself in the memory. The colors, what you see the sounds, what it feels like to be in the room. Maybe there's a smell. Um, notice your heart rate, how your skin feels, how 
Just everything feels. What if you were able to see clients like this every day? What if you had two back-to-back, three back-to-back? Or if your whole day was full of these kinds of clients? Now think about what would happen if your whole caseload was filled with these individuals or couples and, and you were able to see this kind of progress regularly. What would that mean for the outcomes of your clients? What would you tell yourself at the end of the day? How would you keep yourself motivated? How would you keep yourself inspired? When you go home and someone asks you about your day, how do you sound when you talk about it? How do you feel when you talk about it? How does it impact your evening, your weekends? Does it energize you to build your private practice? How do you feel when you think about building your business based on these clients? What does marketing feel like now? So take another deep breath. What do you notice going through this second visualization? I want to hear from you. Was there a difference in the clients that you thought about? And how did it change how you felt in your body or just how it felt to be present as we went through these two different exercises? want to hear from you guys. <laughs> this is such a, um, a powerful space. I get excited. Yes. Yes. Empowered, inspired, energized, empowered and energetic. Yes. Isn't it interesting, right? We'd much rather share how we feel when it's something positive than how we felt at the end of that first visualization, right? felt energized physically, mentally, emotionally. I felt like myself. Oh, I felt like myself. How many of you guys resonate with that? Yeah, I feel grateful. Oh, yes, this is amazing. Love it, rejuvenated. Um. Ariella, I think that means that, the, that you like whatever difficult looks like, that that is your ideal client. So what if you had more of those? That's awesome. Yeah. Ah, love it, guys. All right. So here is the dirty secret in identifying the right niche and perfect specialty for you in your city, in your country, in your practice. It needs to come from within you. Even if we gave you a surefire money-making specialty to market in your city, you didn't love it. If it didn't inspire you, you wouldn't be great at it. Your clients wouldn't be inspired. You'd end up burnout and unhappy. Here's an example. How many of you would just love to work with domestic violence victims all day? I've talked with hundreds and hundreds of therapists who will tell me how frustrated they are working with individuals in abusive relationships. Some of them are pretty upfront. They hate it. I love it. <laughs> Yes, part of the reason I love it is because I've gotten good training that gives me the clinical expertise. I need to be effective with them. But newsflash, I've gone to so many awesome trainings about working with traumatized children who've experienced domestic violence. I'm great with kids. 
But for whatever reason, I'm just not inspired in that area. And guess what? That's okay. Just because I could be great at something doesn't mean I have to or that I should or that I'm meant to. I believe today in this moment, I'm doing exactly what I was meant to be doing. So here are some questions to ask yourself to dive deep and uncover your secret passion and your perfect niche. And we wish uh, we could do true, false. <laughs> uh, and yes, we'll send out these questions after the training. Um, so these are this is a, a little bit of a deeper quiz for you guys to think about. Why did I go into this work initially? Who was I really excited to help or heal? What clients have I been able to work with in the most profound way? What clients have I worked with that felt almost effortless? And not because they were easy clients, but just because there was a flow and a synergy. If I was being really honest with myself, what interventions, symptoms, or patterns do I love working with? And if I'm being really honest, who am I great at getting clinical outcomes with? These five questions will help you zero in on the vicinity of what work you should specialize in. Sometimes it takes a bit of tweaking and trial and error to find the best fit um, for that private practice. For example, when I entered private practice, I purposefully didn't advertise domestic violence victims, even though I love working with them, because I was fearful um, about safety. However, as I got more confident, I allowed myself my real specialty out in front, which was working with victims of trauma. And I got to work with the right domestic violence victims for private practice, as well as sexual abuse victims and um, all the other gnarly things I love to work with. If you love working with severe mental illness in an agency setting, but you're concerned about working with that in private practice, consider working with families of the newly diagnosed or spouses or working with high-functioning individuals with severe mental illness and remission, helping them to avoid relapse. There's so many ways to tweak your passion and make it work in the environment that you'll be moving into. Yeah, that's the best part of niching. It allows you to focus your clinical marketing energy in a way that energizes and inspires you. And you can choose trainings that will most impact your clinical work uh, with clients you're working with. So when you have that niche, it really does change where you focus, you know, your consultation and supervision and training that you get. You can seek out experts in that area. And then you yourself might expand in providing consultation and supervision and training to others who need support as they might be working in the same niche. Um, the consultation or supervision you get in your niche will impact not just the client that you're working with today, but the clients you see in the future. Every hour you put into training and consultation in a focused way really has an exponential impact when you are clear about what you do and who you see. The other thing I love about niche marketing is that it more closely aligns with what we do in the room with clients. Think about it. We get to know them and we empathize with what they're going through and we make recommendations or do interventions based on specific needs. Niche marketing and specialization allows us to speak in a way that more closely mirrors who we are in our clinical work. Now, Scott Miller has done some of the most extensive, exhaustive research about what makes therapists great. He boils it down to, to one, determining your 
baseline of effectiveness, two, engaging in deliberate practice, and three, getting feedback. Um, and it depends on that feedback that depends on and is informed by others working in tandem to create a cycle of excellence. He shares examples related to top performing basketball players like Michael Jordan, top violinists, and also delves into what makes a therapist amazing. You have to be willing to dig in, get a baseline, be deliberate in how you practice, meaning the specific skills you're working to on improving and continually get feedback to ensure you're working and progressing in that area. Do most violinists become expert players in all instruments? No, they might dabble, play others better than I ever could, but they know where they're really working. They might spend weeks, months, or years perfecting just one song. Stop trying to eke forward and be okay or a little bit better at everything. Focus in on one area of practice. Make it your intention to get even better at a particular specialization or intervention, working with specific pop population. Be great and be awesome. Have a lot of different passions. You have time. Mm-hmm. Focus on one area at a time to experience the deepest transformation. And you'll be able to slowly start to shift um, and move through that. Now, some of you might be listening to this and thinking of all the reasons why this won't work, why you can't specialize, why you may be turning people away, or why you won't have a diverse practice. So we want to just kind of touch on these common myths. Um, One of the (laughs) the myths (laughs) that the niche is too narrow. So... It probably isn't. It's pretty rare that Miranda and I encounter therapists who are niched so narrowly that they basically are targeting, you know, only two people in their community. Um, human, human nature is natural to wanting to niche. Like if you look at meetup.com, for example, um, you can just see all the diverse groups. So when I moved out to Oceanside, I was looking at meetup and trying to find places to connect. And I found guided imagery, fertility, meditation group, widowed parents with elementary age children. I mean, that's pretty niche. So why do we have such narrow meetups? It's because people want to connect and feel heard and understood. Um, And they want that same with you as their therapist. They want to know that you can guide them into doing the work that they really want to do. However, if you make yourself so blank and vanilla and all-encompassing, there's little for them to like grab onto and connect with. So chances are your niche isn't too narrow and you can just do some research to discover that your niche even exists. The other myth is that the niche will reject people. So effective marketing means that you connect with someone's pain. And we're going to talk more about marketing next week. But pain is one of those universal things, right? We've all experienced it. So when you speak to pain, and you will, in fact, be speaking to more people than you intend. So, for example, I sought to build my practice working with men, and I ended up filling my practice with the women who loved the type of men that I liked working with. (laughs) Um, It was totally unexpected. But I didn't reject those women. In fact, because of my marketing, they felt like I could understand their partner better because of the way I was communicating that. So 
The other myth is also if I have a niche, I can't see anyone else. I like variety. I don't want to be limited. And to be honest with you, I've played around with a lot of niches in my practice. That is actually what I love about this work is that it's fluid and creative. You're never stuck. I don't know about you, but you're probably here because you want to do this for the long haul. You want to, this is your life's work, right? You have time, like Miranda was saying. If you just really dig down and play with ideas, you'll probably keep circling back to your passion. So we encourage our boot campers, and we're going to encourage you today to just play. Go out there and focus on something. Trust me, you won't be limited. It just means an extra oomph in your marketing, another focus in your training, and more intention in your practice. Just try it. Practice focusing in on something you're good at. Give it its own page on its website. Introduce your specialization to colleagues. Spend some time digging in and be clear about what you're great at and see what happens. This leads us to the most important piece of why specialization and niche is so powerful. In boot camp, we have part of our manifesto that says, I don't compete, I stand out. Have you ever gone to a networking meeting with a dozen or more therapists only to have everyone stand up and introduce themselves the same way? I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist who sees individuals, families, and couples from 8 to 80. By the third person, you feel yourself checking out. Or you hear the person share, my specialty is every whoever will pay me, and everyone laughs. I've heard that more, like I can't even count how many times. And to be honest, as business-focused as I am, it never quite resonated with me. It always felt really icky and cold. These therapists aren't trying to bore you to tears. They are trying to connect with you. But are they effective? No. Why? Because they're trying to speak to everyone and they speak to no one. I remember exactly where the therapist was standing when she said, I love working with angry couples. Send me your angry couples. Did I send her angry couples? Absolutely. What about the man who said he specialized in working with couples with a narcissistic male partner? Did I refer clients? Heck yeah. <laughs> Me and narcissistic males are actually kind of a terrible fit for a lot of reasons. <laughs> I love those potential clients enough to send them to someone who can give them more effective treatment. Give people a chance to get sparked by something you say, to connect to something real and authentic about what you're passionate about. Who are you attracted to? Extrovert or introvert? I'm attracted to authentic passion. I feel like it's something that I can sense and feel from people. What are you drawn to? Who are you drawn to? The best part, when someone is drawn to you and wants to get to know you, eventually they'll get to know your personality, your vibe, and just know you're the right therapist for someone, even if they aren't part of your official specialty. Diversity is going to happen. Think about the referrals you make. Why do you refer to that person? You found a point of connection with them initially, and the relationships grew from there. And this is why even if you market a specialty or a niche, you will get diverse referrals. Your clients who have awesome outcomes will tell their friends, their family, their coworkers about you. Their friends are not clones of them. <laughs> um, their colleagues aren't clones of them. They just know that you help them, and they refer people that need help. So... It's okay to take diverse clients outside of your specialty if and only if you know you can give them an awesome therapy experience. 
Stop taking new clients just to fill a slot, right? Be respectful of yourself and the potential client and only take clients who are right fit. You know you can help. And this is where I really have to emphasize the importance of good clinical judgment. It isn't good judgment to take a client out of fear. If you hear me and Miranda speak a lot about marketing your practice, but never ever do it at the risk of watering down the quality of service. Be ethical always. Do what is best for the client when it comes to this stuff. I used to get referrals for kids a lot. I don't see kids. It is not a good fit for me. I would much rather refer to a play therapist and someone who is passionate about working with children. And initially it can be scary. You know, you will be fearful that you won't get a new client. But to get people raving about your practice and sending you people, you have to hold yourself to a standard of doing your best to be awesome. And I want to add here that we've seen boot campers that when they do this, that person who was referred out will still sometimes refer their friends to the therapist who referred them out because they they, they remembered them and they appreciated that kind of integrity. This doesn't mean, you know, you do the work for your clients or that you own their outcomes, but it does mean you do a good assessment and over time you become more skilled in knowing you can do great work with them and who would be a real struggle to connect with. You want to just get clear and more precise in that assessment as you continue on this journey. And to add to that whole diversity thing, when I first started, 90% of my referrals came from online marketing. I didn't know people in my community. And then at the end of my practice, it was 90% word of mouth. It flipped. And my practice was diverse because my clients don't have friends and acquaintances that are like them. And they started to learn how I could help. So let's review, guys. We sat with who you don't really love working with and who you love working with. Now your job is to go and dig deeper. Really look at common threads amongst those that energize you. This is essentially how you find your niche. I know it sounds easy, but sometimes our fear gets in the way, and that's the biggest battle. But we know that you can discover this part of yourself, the part that leaps for joys when you're doing what you're meant to do. And it's okay if it changes over time. Just start getting clear on who it is you want to sit with, your off in your, with you in your office today. You're creating a business based on your dreams and a vision for your life. Give yourself permission to seek out the fulfillment of that vision. We know this is, uh, this is such a powerful thing. We watch our boot camps battle through. And when they get to the other side of fully embracing their vision and putting it out in the world, it leads to consistent referrals, a solid business, and just so much joy and confidence in your life. We also talked about how once you give yourself permission to follow your part to play and be creative, it leads to more referrals. That means you're committed to no longer boring your colleagues and friends to tears with a typical boring spiel about how you treat everything in the world, depression and anxiety and life transitions and women issues or anything else that walks in your door. Your homework is to speak specifically and with enthusiasm and really let your light shine. And lastly, we shared about how you're still going to have diversity in your practice. For some of you, that means you've got to trust the process of niching. Really do some reality checking. Look at your practice now, your past experiences. What clients were the same? Are there any clones in your practice? Probably not. 
work on those myths that you've been buying into and start following what really excites you. We actually had um, this great experience happen with one of our boot campers. She had been out um, marketing and connecting a ton um, in this very general way. And the first time that she showed up with her marketing message and a clarity about her niche, after having, she'd built these relationships for years. She'd been running this group for therapists and not getting any referrals. She came in and owned her niche and her passion. And she immediately started getting consistent referrals from that group. Like immediately. There's some, there's something that happens when you own that process. And so I know that it's scary, but it's so powerful. So now it's time to share. What are you guys walking away with today? Based on what we talked about today, what's one thing you can do differently moving forward? Post that in the chat box. Who do you love working with? Loving working with older adults. I love working with families who are dealing with dementia and, dementia and women facing difficult challenges. Awesome. What are other things that you guys are, are noticing? I hear Juliana saying, what if I, I'm clear, but then I get stuck on how to express it, right? And we'll be talking um, in more depth about marketing, which is part of that expression of our niche, right? Ah, trauma survivors. I am such a geek about trauma, you guys. <laughs> uh, EMDR, to just struck beliefs about self and trauma, premarital couples, um, complex trauma, love working with women and girls. I'm going to trust my process to fine tune my niche. Yes, I love working with couples addiction and trauma. Women going through an early life divorce. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I love that. Yes, you can have more than one niche. What we challenge you to do is to get really clear on one, get your marketing message down, get consistent referrals in that area, and then continue the process and then expand into an additional specialty. Can't stress um, enough that you guys have time. Time is on your side. <laughs> we don't need to do it all at the same time. Being steady and Starting with one is, and then slowly adding in is the way to go. Kelly, what was the, um, do you remember on Seinfeld, they had. Um, oh, I'm terrible the, at this stuff. Go ahead. <laughs> I know, I'm not good. Maybe some of you guys who are listening, they had the holiday that was like the, the Hanukkah, Christmas, Turducken, blah, 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 blah. Like this like crazy holiday that was like all the holidays rolled into one. I think sometimes that's what we try to do is that we're trying to like roll it all into one. Oh, no, no, no. It's a, it's a this and 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 a this. And like that makes complete sense to you because you put all this time and energy and then the person reading it goes, I'm so, what? It's a, it's a, it's a birthday? Festivus. Festivus for the rest of us. Uh, Chris Mahanica Kwanza, yeah, like just all of the silly stuff. Chris Mahana Kwanzika, yes, like uh, my son has a birthday right after Christmas, and so we talk about putting things on his like um, birthday list or <laughs> his Christmas list or whatever because it kind of ties in together. But that means nothing to anyone else, hmm. right? They don't understand when we say that. 
you know, when we make some kind of joke, like they don't get it. And people on the world won't get it either if you um, make something really broad. Okay. <sighs> so I'm so excited about what you guys are all doing. I so appreciate each and every one of you. And for those of you who want to continue to hang with us, feel free to stick around. We are going to be sharing a bit more about Business School Bootcamp for Therapists and why people are raving um, about it before we move into our Q&A. Um, because some of you are going to want to do something more for yourself. Um, you want some more help <laughs> in terms of what do I actually do and how do I do this? And I'd like a lot of specific action in this area. So we are going to... Um, move on from the webinar, sit down to your homework. It's going to be really great. And we're going to move into sharing about boot camp. If you're interested and in really considering um, how to get to your perfect day more quickly or with more ease than if you do it alone, please stay on the call. But if it's not for you, no worries at all. We hope this has been helpful and giving you a sense of direction for this year. We can't wait to hear about your successes. In other words, if you don't want to hear our boot camp, totally log off now. It's totally fine. We hope today you walked away with at least one thing that you can make a change in right now in your life, in your practice, some more clarity, and that this training really is changing your life. If you want more of this, if you want to go deeper, if you want Kelly and I really working with you in an intensive way, consider the Business School Bootcamp for Therapists. We are enrolling now. It's a year-long, powerful online business training system built specifically to help therapists grow happy, thriving, sustainable private practices that they and their clients love. It is all about improving your clinical outcomes, having more freedom, and having a better income while doing what you love and what your purpose is made for. So go to bschoolbootcamp.com forward slash about and schedule an interview today. That's a 15-minute private interview with Kelly or myself where we can get to know you, your specific experience and situation, and give you real feedback about whether this is something that could be helpful, or we can point you in the right direction one way or the other. We look forward to working with you. Again, schedule that interview today at bschoolbootcamp.com forward slash about.